0: I just want to say, as the offering comes, I just love being able to stand in the back during worship and and just listen to you guys sing—not just the band, but hearing the congregation sing. I just love the the participation and the and the corporate worship together. It just really—it's a highlight of my week. uh, I'm—you heard during the announcements that we are full for baptism and the Grace Group. That's also something that really encourages me. So we're going to start uh, probably a new sign up for both of those pretty soon. But those are all really exciting things. God is changing a lot of people's lives in our church. Um, God is using us here on, as we affectionately call Mount Lockwood Ridge, as we draw sojourners and travelers, just just as Joshua's group did at Mount Ebal. We're excited about what God is doing in people's lives. That being said, I know that some of you aren't really excited about what we're talking about in James every week. (laughs) This is week number eight more than hearers. Some serious questions for you. How do you think, particularly, the American church is doing with providing opportunities for people to hear the gospel? Now, that may seem like a loaded question where you're supposed to say not very well, but actually, can you think of any other time in church history with more creative, engaging resources of Bible content? We have thousands of conferences and seminars offering fresh new perspectives on how to connect with God on a deeper level from recovery to marriage to workplace. There's all kinds of things like that. We have seminaries that almost anyone can go to online or in person all over the place. Amazon carries books on every topic or biblical subject in Scripture you can imagine. Four of which I've written, and a fifth's coming soon. So you know that I'm one of the billions, right? I didn't mean it that way. My point is everyone's writing books. That's what I was. I would say over the last few decades, the church has done a really good job of platforming these world-class speakers in ways that have made them ubiquitous. For those of you in Casey Key, ubiquitous means everywhere. I just wanted to make sure you understood. <laughs> Just kidding, Casey Key people. We love you. Look, the church has YouTube. People are listening to us live today on YouTube. We have podcasts. We have Bible apps. We gather, we download, we press play, and we can hear the gospel multiple times every day. There has never been fewer obstacles to people to hear the gospel than any other time in church history. And what about our worship experience in the American church compared to any other time in church history? What about that? Anytime you can press play on highly skilled, highly produced, incredible songwriters that make incredible worship music. We've mastered ways to provide engaging and comfortable, convenient Opportunities for people to hear the gospel however they want to hear it. Yet sadly, the vast majority of those who hear what we produce, they come, they enjoy, they feel great, but they're leaving unchanged, untransformed without becoming doers of the word. Now, is that the church's fault? Is it the hearer's fault? See, our problem is it not knowing enough Bible. Our problem is in our, is in our inability to simply just do what Jesus has commanded us to do. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets, what he was like. Go to the next one. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, or as you'll see later, the law that liberates is a better way to translate it, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing from the world. Again, chapter 1 of James is like a table of contents, a a cover page that covers all the 12 remaining lessons we're going to see in chapters 2 through 5. We have one more week of cover page sermons next week, and then we start chapter 2. But I want you to see that what James is saying is the same thing that Jesus said, which is this: "Hearing just isn't enough." See, James's readers would immediately recognize this theme of being hearers and, and not doers with an obvious connection to the Sermon on the Mount. As we've said, the whole book of James is basically a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. All of James's content is pulled directly from what Jesus preached on the Sermon on the Mount. This particular passage in the Sermon on the Mount would have been James or Matthew chapter seven. Verse 24 to 26, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. That's they would have made the immediate connection, oh, he's talking about... The house on the sand and doers and hearers. See, James is addressing this because this has always been an issue in a church full of flawed people. Let me show you why. Just as we do today, certainly the early church would have had this struggle with this issue of being hearers but not doers. Many of James' readers were deceiving themselves into thinking they were children of God, that they had faith, as if merely gathering together in community to read the Word was enough. Look, we stress constantly at Grace Life the importance of gathering in community. And if you can go without being with your church family for weeks and months at a time, there's a problem. It's important to get together and read and study God's Word, but there must be more than just gathering. You know, some in the early church had gone so far as to preach that the grace that the gospel provides is a license to live however we want. There is no more condemnation, so do whatever you need to do. In fact, this issue of being people who hear God's word but aren't obedient shows up all throughout the scripture, particularly in Israel's history. I'm going to read you a passage from Ezekiel. It's going to blow you away. You know, God predicted for Ezekiel how Israel will respond to his preaching, his prophecies. Look at this passage. As for you, Ezekiel, this is God speaking to the prophet. Your people are talking together about you by the walls. In the houses, saying to each other, come, hear the message from the Lord. That sounds good, right? My people come to you as they usually do, week after week. Sit before you to hear your words, but they will not do it. Their mouths speak of love, but their heart is set on their own lust or their own gain. Watch this. To them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but they will not do it. Mm. Isn't it troubling how this description sounds familiar, like the American church today? Ezekiel, my word has become entertainment when they come together, it's like attending a show or a concert. My people love to talk about my law. They gather, they listen, they fellowship, they have a great time, but they won't do it. Even in their homes, they enjoy talking about your prophecies, Ezekiel, but they really don't mean it. They desire the entertainment of hearing your words, but they have no intention of doing them. And once the show is over, Ezekiel, they say, Amen. Maybe they even applaud, but they leave without doing anything of what they just heard. They leave with the same priorities, the same lusts, the same desires, the same issues, the same behavioral patterns of this world that they had when they came in to hear your word. All right, so that's the historical application of this passage. There's some interesting theology here calling this section the blessing of obedience. So like the other passages in chapter 1, this is a preview of later sections in James. Particularly, we're going to get into great detail in a few weeks. James chapter 2, verses 12 through 26. You think this sermon's hard, just wait. It's going to be harder. This is another quick look for James's readers, a quick test of their ropes of faith. How real your faith is. If your faith is real, you won't just enjoy hearing about God's Word, but you will do it. Hearing God's word isn't enough. When the word is implanted by the Father of lights, remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, when the perfect word is implanted by the Father of lights, obedience always follows. Hearers are those who have not had the word of God. Listen, hearers, those who hear only, are those who have not had the word of God implanted deep within their hearts by the Father of lights. We learned that from Ezekiel, right? He said, I will write on their hearts my law. For them, God's word is, James describes. it's just really just like a mirror. They can only interact with God's word in a superficial, frankly, maybe emotional encounter, but it's a powerless encounter. That's all a mirror does, right? It can reveal or help you transform what's on the outside, but it's powerless to really help you see what's on the inside. It only reflects what is on the surface. That's what a mirror does. James is saying that's how the word of God is for people who just hear it. Mirrors can be helpful with their external religious blemishes. But that's all man-made religion can do, is focus on the outward. But I want to talk about the law that liberates. The phrase law of liberty that James uses there, you know it only occurs twice in the Bible? Both times in James, here and then chapter 2. The law of liberty, it's a unique term that no one else uses. The law of liberty that is implanted, we learned that from the passage before last week, the law of liberty when it is implanted deep in our hearts, that only comes from the Father of lights with whom there is no variance or shadow from turning. The law of liberty is in contrast with the law that condemns and reveals just how unrighteous we are without Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, look at this. For by the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Another way of translating this, I said earlier, it would be, instead of calling it the law of liberty, the law that liberates, as opposed to the law that condemns. Do you see that? James is making a contrast. He says, there's the law that condemns, that tells you about your sin, and there's the law that liberates, that sets you free from your sin. The law of liberty, the law that liberates, you know what it is? It's a synonym, another word for the gospel. It satisfies the law that condemns us and sets us free from that bondage that keeps us being just hearers of the word and never doers. The law that liberates has the power to transform you more profoundly than you could ever have imagined when you very first heard it. It's the liberating, transforming power that sets us free from the hopeless bondage of man-made religion and outward show and appearance. And while the law that liberates does provide freedom and forgiveness and grace and mercy, it is not a license to abuse God's grace through disobedience. The law that liberates shifts the focus from surface performances through miraculous internal transformation as it is implanted deep within your heart by the Father of lights of His own will. It sets us free to follow Jesus and obey His words with a life of active faith, service, obedience, and love for the rest of His people. See, when the law that liberates has been implanted into your hearts by the Father of lights of his own will, you don't just hear them anymore. You are transformed by them. It's far more than just some mirror looking at the surface. Then I want you to see there's a blessing of doing. This is important. So why is the word only hearing surface kind of stuff for some and really deep for others? What's the difference? Don't you want to make sure it's deep and not surfacy? It is the difference between that self-centered interaction with God's word that Ezekiel described and having it surgically implanted by the Father. When the law that liberates is implanted, it always produces obedience. It's the same good works that we've learned about so many times here in Ephesians 2, the ones that we trip over, that were prepared before us, before the foundation of the world. Now pay close attention. Here's the key element. this entire passage, and why this passage is actually another great test of your ropes of faith. James says those who hear the word and do it are blessed in their doing, not by their doing. Huge difference. We aren't blessed by our doing. We are blessed In our doing what does this mean see here's the problem many in the church today especially in America we expect our obedience to earn us blessings if we do what he says life becomes easier and better and blessed the jobs the relationships the the nicer clothes the nicer cars all that come no in fact we often see people in church who appear to be blessed in earthly ways and we assume oh well they must have some obedience going on with Jesus But wait a minute, didn't Jesus say that our obedience would actually cause us to have trouble in this world? Didn't he say if you're obedient, it's going to get harder, not easier? See, here's the reason why. Because we are not blessed by our obedience. People who only hear the word are obsessed with earthly blessings. Did you hear what I just said? But James says doers are blessed in their doing. James is telling us that the blessing is the doing you know how you're blessed because you are blessed with obedience that does not come from yourself that's the miracle of the gift of faith we hear the word and we are blessed in doing it James tells us our desire to be doers our desire to be doers is distinct and separate from the blessings those who are here is only lust for unlike the world Hearers only, doers have received the implanted law that liberates, and we are blessed in our doing. Our doing is the blessing. Okay, what are we supposed to do with this? Personal section to take home with you. Gospel entertainment. This was the sermon preview this week. Have you been transformed by the gospel or are you merely entertained by it? So let's go back to Ezekiel just for a moment. Put that slide back up there. Put put this verse up here. Just watch this, okay? Your people are talking together about you, saying to each other, Come, hear the messages from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do, and they sit before you to hear your words, but they will not do it. Go back. Go back. There we go. Their mouths speak of love, but their heart is set on their own game. To them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but they will not do it. Keep that up there for just a moment. Can you see how the American church could be very similar to Israel in Ezekiel's day when it comes to the gospel? Churches in general, grace life included, we invest heavily in creating engaging atmospheres that are suitable for hearing. And churches, trust me, we feel the pressure to make everything pop. We feel the pressure to make all of this. And don't I'm not yelling at you. I, I promise. I'm, I'm just. Pointing. We feel the pressure to make all of this enjoyable for people to hear. We work on the sound, we work on the slides, we work on the lighting, the air conditioner. We stress over the air conditioner, you have no idea. It works great for the most part. We have great people keeping it running, but one day, you know, you never know. Okay, but anyway. Did you know that churches in America spend into the billions of dollars every year on audio equipment and instruments used in worship? Billions. You don't like church? Well, that's fine. We aren't lacking for powerful worship experiences or moving sermons from outside the church that you can just grab at home. We go as a church, and in, in general, we go to incredible concerts of our favorite worship artists or worship teams. We actually even pay money to go hear world-class preachers. And just in case the church and those big concerts aren't good enough, don't worry. We've learned how to put God's Word into 30-second social media sound bites, just in case. So when you add it all up between content, worship, music, did you know that Christianity is a $1.2 trillion a year industry? Just to give you perspective, that's more than Facebook, Google, Apple, and Microsoft combined it has made hearing the word a very appealing opportunity can you see how hearers only might really enjoy church can you see why ezekiel describes it so graphically you know i kind of late i kind of quieted it down for you he says for your words are like lustful songs to them can you see how hearers only would just lust for our songs and maybe even for our teaching, but never be transformed by the gospel? I mean, what's not the love, right? The gospel represents love and, and grace and, and, and mercy and forgiveness and community and healing. Don't forget the healing. Oh, and about the blessings. Don't forget the blessings. Listen, look, careful. I'm not saying we should not pursue excellence in our music. And in our teaching and in our gathering, we should, we will, and we do. Do you hear that? But James is clear. Gathering around the gospel or clicking on it isn't enough. It must be more than entertainment for us. Have you decided yourself or have you deceived yourself into thinking you love the gospel but really you just love hearing it? You know what I'm talking about do you come just to be entertained to comb your hair put on some spiritual makeup and then walk away from the mirror when it's all done Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 here's what Paul says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling we'll get into that some more later in this series for it is God he says here's why you should work it out for it is God who works in you Ephesians 2 both to will and to work, to do, for his good pleasure. Do you see that? How our doing is a blessing from God. Don't misunderstand. We should love hearing good worship. We should love good preaching and, and we should love to gather. More than that, we need all those things. We need to hear it. We need it. There's absolutely nothing wrong Listen, with concerts, nothing. There's nothing wrong with conferences. There's nothing wrong with seminars. But they cannot, we cannot allow them to continue to be momentary mirrors. Listen, attending these things and hearing them, singing with them, even being healed with them, all that stuff, right? That is not obedience. Let me say it again. Attending them, hearing them, singing them, Even being healed by them, that is not obedience. Following Jesus is more than being just a fanboy or a fangirl. Jumping from one powerful moment or experience to another. Grace Life family, James and Ezekiel are making it pretty clear, aren't they? Hearing, even enjoying the gospel is not enough. We must be doers. We should be just as excited for the monday morning blessing of obedience as we are the sunday morning blessing of hearing otherwise the faith we think we have is not one that we can really rely on or trust in for the day that we are truly going to need it so If we hear the word but aren't obedient to what Jesus commands, we are deceiving ourselves, and that kind of relationship with God's word is a very troubling sign that your ropes of faith are not reliable. So what's the best, most practical way to guard against being hearers only? Who are merely entertained by the gospel. How is it that we can make sure as a church family that the gospel doesn't just become like one of our other favorite forms of entertainment? How can we be sure the gospel is nothing more than us liking a skilled singer playing Jesus is my boyfriend love songs? Oh, you chuckle, but listen, that's exactly how Ezekiel described it, is it not? He said, Ezekiel, your words have become to the people like really good love songs. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 has the answer for us. Let us think of ways to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together and all the more as we see the day drawing near. When we hear and we do the word, all the things that the church provides will always be much more than just a mirror. It'll go far beyond feelings and emotions and experiences. The impact of our hearing will be deep It will be consistent. It will be, in fact, durable obedience. When we are set free by the law that liberates, we'll be filled with the blessing of doing the word, not just hearing it. This is not a mere habit, self-discipline or routine. It becomes a passionate, vital part of your ropes of faith. And as we gather with others who love one another, who have received the implanted law of liberty from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of turning, we must, those of us who have received the deeply implanted law that liberates, we must be consistently looking to inspire one another to what? Be doers. Serving other people, and we're going to learn about this next week, what true religion really is. We must continue to inspire, encourage, provide opportunities for one another to not just be hearers in a mirror, but be doers of the word because you have received with meekness and humility the implanted law that liberates deep within your heart from the Father of lights. Dear Jesus, we are are aware of this problem. We are aware of the fact that there are times that we are tempted to be hearers only. We don't want to be. Lord, by your grace and by your mercy, I pray that through your spirit, that law that liberates that you've written on our hearts, you've planted deep within us, will continue to bless us with the gifts of obedience. Good works, which you prepared beforehand that we, are, that we are by your grace and mercy tripping over. Lord, we are at constant struggle and battle with being hearers and doers. We confess this to you. And in humility, we ask you for help. We don't want to be those who Are more entertained by the gospel than we are transformed by it so lord i pray that you would use one another use each of us in our lives to encourage us on in creative ways to good works lord as a church we desire we want to be hearers but we also want to be doers please this week even For those that are here listening online or here in the building, Lord, we pray that you would keep us mindful of that challenge. Am I doing? And as we do your word, help us to remember that is the blessing we desire. We need nothing else to be motivated, to be obedient. And may how we do that just bring a huge, massive smile to your face.